It's time for the Hokie Hour on the Tim Donnelly Show on the WRAD Talk Network. Now from the Makadoo Studio, here's Tim Donnelly. Tim Donnelly Show back. WRAD Radio Network, 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM. We are obviously going to go in depth into the, the players that decided to enter into the transfer portal for Hokies football. Uh, but before we do that, we need to make sure you're primed and ready for that conversation. You know which players, you know what's going on. So to do that, we're going to go ahead and give you the full Gotcha Covered segment right here, right now. No one has time to catch all the games. Don't worry. Tim will get you covered. Hokie Nation, get ready. If you've been living under a rock for the last 24 hours, not only do I have you covered, but I also need to ask you to sit down because you're about to experience a range of emotions that will span the test of time, starting with the transfer portal. We already knew Damon Hazleton was in the transfer portal, and many fans pointed to Jacoby Pinckney, Hezekiah Grimsley, as two guys that might be able to step up and take some of the load that Damon Hazleton has vacated. However, yesterday we learned Jacoby Pinckney, after redshirting his true freshman year, is in the transfer portal. We also learned that Hezekiah Grimsley, after a successful, if not featured, role over the last few years, He's in the transfer portal. We also learned that Caleb Stewart, part of a very crowded running back room, he's in the transfer transfer portal. We also learned that Khalil Ladler, who came off the bench as a backup defensive back to make some huge plays last year, he's in the transfer portal. We also learned that Phil Patterson, another wide receiver that provided depth in the wide receiver room, he's in the transfer portal. And here's the, the smart way to think about this, okay? It's not surprising because the Hokies had more players than they had scholarships available, so you knew attrition was coming. The timing is not random. It's not all of these guys getting together and saying, hey, on Tuesday, we're all going to leave. It's simply the fact that that classes just started, and once classes start, then your semester check is guaranteed for the rest of the semester on your scholarship. So these guys had to postpone their decision until classes started in order to give them this semester of academics at Virginia Tech. And the other thing is this. Yes, you are allowed to be, to be concerned about team depth, and you are allowed to be concerned that some of these guys you thought were valuable members of the team and they are possibly moving on while also wishing them the best and while also realizing that Hazleton, Stewart, Pinckney, Grimsley, Ladler, Patterson believe it's better in their case for themselves as people and players to move on. So you wish them the best, but you can still be just a tiny bit concerned about team depth. And, and I wouldn't expect this to be the last of the attrition. And then the other side, right? You have a little bit of melancholy, a little bit of down, a little bit of sadness that comes with parting ways. You get picked right back up by the basketball team, who Virginia Tech goes two overtimes against North Carolina and wins on a last-second bucket. And it's even more exciting for a few reasons. One, Tyrese Radford had two points in the game. Two. They came with .4 seconds on the clock to win the game in the second overtime. That's pretty darn uh, good usage of your bullets if you only have one shot left. Uh, The other thing is this. Landers Nolly is the one who set up the play, passing it to Tyrese Radford. This team learned. 
Syracuse a couple days ago. Uh, Landers Nolly forced a three from the logo, and it ended up costing them as he, he, he clanked it off the side of the backboard with four and a half seconds left. This time, he recognized the clock a bit better. He passed it off to his teammate, and the teammate took advantage of the confidence that, that Nolly showed in him. Radford finished the game, got the win over North Carolina. North Carolina is reeling, but anytime you can beat North Carolina, Hall of Famer on the bench in Roy Williams, it is a big deal. Elsewhere in sports, outside of Hokie Nation, Eli Manning announced that he is retiring. All I'm going to say is this. He hasn't announced it yet, but it was leaked that he's planning to announce Eli Manning's retiring. Uh, All I'm going to say is this. He is the best offensive player in the history of the New York Giants. He is one of five guys in the history of the game with two Super Bowl MVP trophies to his name. He's a Hall of Famer. Sorry if you don't agree with it. You're wrong. Sorry if you don't agree with it. I don't much care. I don't, I don't consider myself uh, – I don't, I don't worry myself with the opinions of incorrect people. Uh, Zion Williamson began his career last night for the New Orleans Pelicans uh, after three quarters of eh, maybe eh, easing himself into it, exploded in the fourth quarter, had 17 points in 188 seconds. If you're not good with math, that's three minutes and eight seconds. He had 17 points. But give credit to Alvin Gentry. Their coach, he knew what I knew. Didn't matter how well he played. It didn't matter if they won the game, which they didn't. It didn't matter if he had highlights to put on SportsCenter, although he did. What mattered was keeping him healthy. They had a plan for Zion Williamson, and they took him out at the end of that 188 seconds, essentially. They had a player waiting at the the score table to check in for him when he made his final bucket. They, They were very, very aware that Zion Williamson is not on the Pelicans for the next 10 games. He's on the Pelicans for the next 20 years, and they want him to be healthy. They pulled him, rightfully so. That's how his first game in the NBA took off. And that was Got You Covered here on the Tim Donnelly Show. Now that you've been covered, we can dive into more of the, the detailed minutia of, of this transfer situation. Now, when I say this, I mean this honestly. Every single transfer is different from reasons they're leaving to situation that they were in prior to leaving within the program to impact they will have on the program with their departure. Uh, Every single transfer is different. Nobody's situation is the same. So we have six names in the transfer portal for the Hokies. There's, there's no reason to group them together by anything other than, than very, very superficial things like position or, or class Right? There's no reason to group them together because you don't know what is going on in their life. Right? You don't know if there's a sick family member. You don't know if, if you know, they have NFL dreams or if they just want to play their senior year or whatever it is. Um, the, the, one of the examples I use all the time is we had a backup safety when I played at Delaware who was a stud in the weight room, unbelievable workout warrior, but just so happened to play behind a couple guys that were going to be in the NFL. And this guy didn't have NFL dreams. He wanted to just play in college. That was his goal. So for his senior year, after graduating from Delaware, he transferred to Wesley, which is a Division three school, 45 minutes from, from Delaware. We still saw him on weekends. He still hung out with us. He was still one of the boys. But he went down D3, and he played quarterback and safety, was on the field for every single play his senior year, put up ridiculous stats, and just had fun his senior year. Now, some of you, as I've seen 
to the reaction of, of this transfer situation at Virginia Tech would have looked at him and said, he's quitting on his team. Oh, there's no competition anymore. It's like, no, this guy just wanted to play. He didn't want to impress scouts. He just wanted to play. And we all understood it. Like I said, he was still one of the boys. So so looking at every every situation individually, you can you, you can understand a bit more, right? Damon Hazelton is significantly different than Jacoby Pinckney. Despite the fact that they're both talented wide receivers, right? Hazelton was at the top of the depth chart. Right When he was healthy, he was a starter for Virginia Tech over the past two seasons. When he was healthy, he was making impressive plays, catching touchdowns. So him leaving is him saying, I think there's a better situation for me elsewhere. And, and, and likely it does have something to do with uh, NFL aspirations. And likely it does have something to do with being unhappy uh, with something other than playing time. Jacoby Pinckney... On the other hand, redshirted this past year, has not really played for Virginia Tech, right? Has has not established himself within the program. So him leaving very well might be, he looked at depth charts, he looked at talent coming in and said, eh, maybe not. Or it might be something completely different, right? It might be a family situation. It might be a social social situation. There's a million different things that would lead Hazelton, Stewart, Pinckney, Grimsley, Ladler, and Patterson to bounce out of the program. So I'm not going to sit here and try to dissect why they left. I'm not going to say, oh, Caleb Stewart is running from the competition that comes from uh, uh, Herbert and, and Blackshear coming. I'm not doing that. But we can look at the impact of their transfers. Hazelton leaving is a big impact transfer. He was depended upon by Virginia Tech. And with Dalton Keene already announcing he's going pro, Hazelton probably would have been even more of a red zone threat, even more utilized in the red zone. So him leaving leaves the wide receiver group having to replace him in a big way. Someone is going to have to play a much bigger role than they were expected to play two weeks ago. To stay in the the wide receiver meeting room, Jacoby Pinckney was a four-star a season ago, four-star recruit. Now, I don't know about you. I don't like bailing on four-star recruits after one season, right? Even if, you know, oh, he's not having the same impact he had in high school and college, part of being a four-star is being raw attributes four-star, size, strength, speed, hands, ability. That might take a year, maybe two years, maybe three years to develop into a a college-wide receiver, but he still has the ceiling. I don't like bailing on those guys after one season. Hezekiah Grimsley, depth, 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 depth. Made some some of the biggest highlight plays of the year this year for the Hokies. The one-handed catch is something that that is going to be on every season-long highlight film from the 2019 Hokies. Now, is he Trey Turner? No. Did, did he make as much out of his opportunities as so, someone like, like Tavion Robinson? Maybe not. Is he Damon Hazleton? No. Would he have been a valuable piece to Virginia Tech this year? Yes. Phil Patterson, similar but maybe a little bit smaller role, right? Still someone that can provide depth to a room. So mostly, once you get past Hazleton, whether it's Ladler backing up guys like Tramari Connor and Devin 
uh, Hunter, whether it's 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 Stewart being down on the depth chart in the running back room, whether it's those wide receivers other than Hazleton, it's mostly giving up depth. It's giving up comfort knowing that if someone gets hurt or if a couple guys get hurt, you have proven talent behind them. And in college football, I mean, depth could be the name of the game, right? Depth could be the name, the the difference between eight and five and ten and three. It's it could be that di- that that much of a difference. So, like I said, you can take all of this transfer stuff, all of it, and and put it in a box, and you can say the timing's okay. The players are doing what's best for them. I hope that they're happy. While also outside of that box being worried about depth for this team because now this coaching staff has to develop guys that haven't played much game experience and have them ready at the drop of a hat to step into a role, right? Some people say you're second string. Other people say you're one play away. They mean the same thing. You're one play away from having the entire season on your roster, one injury to the, to the guy ahead of you, and suddenly the entire season is resting on your shoulders. This transfer portal conversation isn't going away, so, so we're going to stick on it a, a, another minute or two when we come back. This is the Tim Donnelly Show. Got something to say? Why don't you just say it? Call in now, 540-639-4900. Say what? Bring your opinion. Yeah, well... You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. But be sure you can back it up. Back this thing up. Calm down. We're backing. More of the Tim Donnelly Show next on WRAD. Tim Donnelly Show, WRAD, 101-7103-5-1460 AM. Still decomposing the news that Damon Hazleton, Caleb Stewart, Jacoby Pinckney, Hezekiah Grimsley, Khalil Ladler, and Phil Patterson all Hokies this past year have put their name in the tra- transfer portal. Excuse me. I mean, I've got to tell you, this Hokie news doesn't ever seem to, like, stop in the offseason. <laughs> the, the, it's the crazy. F- the funny part is I tweet- tweeted this out. I have the hiccups, everybody, so we're going to get through this together. 7.26 on a Thursday morning. The hiccups decide to hit me. Get them out of the way early. Um, here's the deal. Um, I tweeted this out yesterday. Three days prior to yesterday, so the 19th, and yesterday was the 22nd. The Virginia Tech Hokies football account, the actual like official Hokies football account, tweeted out a, a graphic highlighting Hezekiah Grimsley as one of six players that caught a touchdown pass returning next season. Three days later, Hezekiah Grimsley was announced as, as in the transfer portal. Right, Three days in Hokie football offseason feels like three years. It, it feels like, the, the, I mean, how can a program have that little pulse on their program to not know that a player was at least considering it to the point where they're highlighting him as a returnee, and three days later, he's like, yeah, I ain't returning. I'm, I'm going to go check out my options. Yeah, he's probably sitting there thinking, man, they're going to feel real funny after this. It's, it's, it's interesting. But there's another th- aspect of this that I want to point out, and, and, and it's pretty simple. If you are one of the, the members of Hokie Nation that were vehemently defending Coach Fuente for talking to Baylor, right? If you were saying, it's a job interview, he's got to take it. Why, are, why is everyone blowing it up that he's uh, looking to see if there's a situation better for him and his family that might pay more in an area closer to home? 
What if you were that person? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm that in itself. You are entitled to your opinion. But if you were defending Coach Fuente and you're going to turn around a week later and you are going to bash these student athletes for entertaining their options and putting their name in the portal and suddenly you're saying, oh, their competitiveness is gone and this is what's wrong with the country today. Everyone runs away from 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 the hard. They look for, the, if you're that person, you have some things severely backwards. Players are not being paid. Players did not sign contracts. Players uh, are not adults. A lot of times they commit to a school when they're 17 years old. And we're going to talk about this in hashtag Hokies in a second here. But these players are making decisions that are best for them. If you're okay with a middle-aged man doing that, you should 100% be in favor, not even just okay with, you should be in favor of students making the same decision. When, when you look at the scheme of things, it's no different than changing your major. It's no different than uh, changing uh, school, transferring. If you're not an athlete, be closer to home or for whatever other reason there may be. That's something that I don't think people recognize, right? People that aren't athletes transfer all the time. Right, right. It's for just, a bunch of for a bunch of different reasons. It's just that the athletes are under a spotlight. It's but they transfer for a bunch of different reasons, and players might have that exact same reason that we just don't know about. Uh, so, so with that being said, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we are gonna dive into the hashtag Hokies, and when we do that, we'll have more of this conversation. Stick around. Welcome back. Tim Donnelly Show. Talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 101.7, 103.5, and 14.60 a.m. Before we jump into our hashtag hokey segment, it does appear as if we have a caller on the Baker team hotline. Lobro, who are we going to be talking to? We got Rocky here about to join us here on the Baker team hotline. Got to get him on the board here. All right, we good there, to go? There he is. All right, Rocky, what's going on, my man? Hey, I thought Mike Young made some really good adjustments at halftime, and it was a big win for the Hokies over Carolina, so congratulations to them. Mm -hmm. I think uh, when they get in formation, they start running their plays. They're a much better team. I thought in the first half they started to try and go up and down too much with Carolina, and that's not their game. So I think Mike Young really uh, made a point during halftime that this is how we're going to win the game. So uh, it was an excellent win for the Hokies. My question is, on senior day against Pitt last season, were there only six seniors on senior day? Yeah, it was five or six. Two were, were essentially in, in the two deep when you think of – or three, I guess, uh, when you think of, of Reggie Floyd and Ryan Willis really being the main two. Yeah, that's, Von that's, as well. um, that, that's, that's concerning to me, especially with the transfer portal madness that's – now taking over the world. So. Actually, that, that's part of the reason why this transfer portal madness is happening because they, they graduated so few seniors a season ago and they brought in still uh, whatever it was, a 14, 15 person class, so it includes the transfers. There needed to be some attrition from the roster because you know there's more incoming than there is outgoing and, and scholarships don't work that way. So 
the re- what you brought up, the, the the lack of seniors a season ago is actually part of the reason why this offseason there was going to have to be some element of what's happening right now, regardless of if everyone was extremely happy in the program, some were still going to have to be kind of ushered out. Well, I think you did a really good job of talking me down in the previous two segments because once you hear that there's this departure, there's a lot of, like, mm-hmm. what's happening going on. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, there are reasons for this. But at the same time, it feels like this continues to go on, and maybe it's happening everywhere. Maybe it's part of, you know, social media culture just to kind of be like this all the time. So I don't know if it's social media or if it's the Hokies, but you do want some of these prime players to stick around. And that's that's kind of what's a little concerning is you got guys that, like you said, can make an impact, and then you're also losing a lot of depth. And those type of things are things you need going into next year. So that's that's the concern. And like I said, you've done a good job of talking me down. But I still am concerned. That's all I got. Talk to you later. Appreciate it, Rocky. And 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 that is kind of what I was trying to do. I was trying to talk some people off of some ledges, right? I, I was trying to get uh, some people that that were running around like Chicken Little, like I said, right? Running around saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Uh, just to to point out that. Um, I'm not saying the sky is not falling, but I'm saying it was in the forecast, <laughs> right? The the weatherman w- was was up there saying the sky is going to fall a little this off season, and when it hits, it's going to be jarring, it's going to be disorienting, but but it's expected. So bring an umbrella for for the days when the sky is falling. Um, let's jump into our hashtag hokey segment where we go deep into the underbelly of the internet and and uh, and drag the conversations that we want to have up into the light. And I'm going to talk with someone that responded to talk about someone that responded to one of my conversations uh, on Twitter last night. Um, and and I want to emphasize that at the end we agreed to disagree. So you know it was cordial. It was it was the type of debate that that I look forward to on Twitter, where you can both say your your piece, and then you can leave as friends. Uh, but I also want to point this out and say I have a microphone, so I'm probably going to get the last word here on the show. Um, at Hokey Hubbard 233 responded to one of my tweets, uh, essentially just saying everyone was in a different situation. Uh, we're going to discuss the varying degrees of impact uh, on the show today. It was like a preview for today's show. He said, the transfer portal is hurting college football and more importantly, the players. Which is an interesting take, and I said as much, right? Because I've always believed that the portal empowered players. He, on the other hand, uh, said it's hurting players. So I asked him, I said, how is it hurting players? And this is the one that kind of really got me going. It allows them to make poor decisions. There's something to be said for the player that sticks it out and honors his commitment to the team slash brothers. If there's any sign of competition or lack of playing time, they dart for another school. And calling out their competitiveness to me is a cop-out. I mean, that honestly, that might be the case for some players. Might be, but but... It's their right. Saying it allows them to make poor decisions is what really rubbed me the wrong way. Because let's say the poor decision wasn't to transfer. Let's say the poor decision was made when they were 17 years old committing to a school in the first place. Right. Something With, they don't like. They, they, they committed to a school because they got more social media followers from that fan base. And when you're 17, that seems seems really important. They committed to a school because... It was close to home, and they weren't sure if they were going to like being too far away from their parents. 
when in actuality they're very independent and they just hadn't tested themselves in that way yet. So they lock themselves into a decision when they're 17. If that's a poor decision, they have no off-ramp if you don't give them the portal. You say, you make a bad decision at 17, you're stuck with it until you're, you're graduated. That doesn't seem fair to me. It allows them to make poor decisions, but it also allows them to make good decisions, and it allows them to correct poor decisions. And, and, and making them hostages of a decision they make in high school is, is not smart. It, it's not smart at all. Especially when there's no contract or anything involved. I mean, there's a letter of intent, but, but it's... What, you know what? Here's the other thing. And, and this is really what I'm getting at when I say the, the transfer portal empowers players. Remember what I said about the, the Virginia Tech Hokie scholarship situation? Mm-hmm. They've had six players enter into the transfer portal. There are four scholarships under their limit right now. So they had 87 scholarship players knowing they only had 85 scholarships to give. That is just a fact. What do you think was going to happen if no one entered into the transfer portal? Virginia Tech was going to have to pull scholarships. You can't have more than the NCAA allotted scholarships, and they had more if nobody left. So they were, they were probably going to have to be a little shady, right? They were probably going to have to take a guy at spring ball or take a guy in summer workouts and, and just make their lives miserable until they transferred. It happens, right? You take a, a running back and say, we got too many running backs on the roster. We need one to transfer. So you take one and you give him zero reps and you make him run until he leaves. The transfer portal gives you the power to bounce on your own. I, I cannot see a, a, a world where the transfer portal does not benefit the players. I cannot make sense of it. Next hashtag Hokies comes from at RamDude99, R-A-M-Dude99. He's talking basketball. He says, it's official. I'm a conehead. First of all, Jalen Cone fans calling themselves coneheads, I'm in. That's, that's great. I'm in. Second of all, part of the, the appeal of this roster for the Hokies, part of the appeal for this roster for the Hokies is, is – there's a couple different guys you could become like a straight fanboy of, right? You could become uh, or ride, if you will, the nolly trolley. You could be a conehead, right? You, Tyrese Radford as the little engine that could, right, as the six foot one rebounder is awesome. There are a couple people that you can identify with. If you're an underdog, undersized, grit-and-grind guy, go follow Tyrese Radford. If you're a skilled shooter, finesse, go be Jalen Cohn. If you're a big, powerful individual, Landers Nolly. If you get by with, with leadership and heart, Wabisabidi. You understand, you understand what I'm saying? There's so many personalities on this team. Coneheads are just going to be one of the many group factions of the fan base that fall in love with a player. Uh, next one comes from at Hokies and Skins. Uh, VT Bas- this is at Hokies and Skins on Twitter says, VT Basketball Twitter is as good as it gets. Put, puts football Twitter to shame. Now, that's not fair. That's not fair at all. 
to make that observation yesterday. And the reason it's not fair is because you're comparing Virginia Tech football Twitter and fan base on a day where they found out they were losing five of their players and basketball Twitter on a day where they won a two-overtime game. That, that's like comparing the best album and the worst album of two bands and saying, like, the, the best album from one band and the worst album from another band and saying, well, that band's so much better. It's like, well, you're only taking them at their best. If you're only talking about basketball Twitter after they win a two-overtime game over North Carolina and you're only comparing football Twitter when, when they lose five players into the transfer portal. You're basically comparing apples to ceiling tiles. Roofing shingles roofing is, shingles. is the way I say it, but yes. Close enough. <laughs> um, that's, that's just my word of caution to Hokies and Skins. And then last, uh, robot underscore VT says, and the 2020 NCAA all-freshman team is Virginia Tech. And I just like reminding people this. I like reminding people that Landers Nolly's a freshman, redshirt. Tyrese Radford's a freshman, redshirt. Jalen Cohn's a freshman, true. Hunter Couture's a freshman, true. John Ojiako's a freshman, true. Naheem Aline's a freshman, true. And these guys are playing big roles. If your name's not Beatty or Horn or Wilkins, who did have some big plays last night, you're a freshman for Virginia Tech. You're going up against these big old ACC teams, too. UNC is saying, oh, we're having a down year. We don't have the talent. We don't have this. You just got beat by a whole bunch of freshmen. Don't tell it's, Roy Williams. It's it's not like Virginia Tech was suddenly, uh, you know, they're, they're suddenly all their top recruits of the last 10 years are all seniors. It's like UNC is dealing with the stuff that Virginia Tech's also dealing with. Virginia Tech's just dealing with it better. They're all freshmen. Let's take a break when we come back. Let's dive into that game. Two overtime victory over North Carolina for the Hokies. That's always going to sound good. Stick around. Hokie News. Hashtag Hokies. ACC News. A team like Duke who went on to lose to everybody by a billion. An opinion. This year is finally the year where this program is without a doubt Justin Fuente's program. More of the Tim Donnelly Show next on WRAD. Tim Donnelly Show back here on the talk of the New River Valley. I'm Tim Donnelly alongside producer Lobro here inside the Mockadoo studio. Guests and callers join us in, or excuse me, not inside, on the Baker Team Hotline. Inside the Baker Team Hotline. I don't even know what that would mean. Uh, but the number is 540-639-4900. Um, Hokies beat North Carolina last night. Now, I don't care if it's, what, the sixth straight loss for the, the, the Tar Heels. I don't care if Roy Williams has come out and said it's the least talented team he's coached at North Carolina. I don't care. The Hokies beat North Carolina, and that's always going to be a big deal. For the reason I said prior to the break, which is the struggles that North Carolina is going through are the same struggles that Virginia Tech is going through. They're just handling it better. They just have a coach that's making better decisions. They have a coach that is coaching to his team's strengths better. Mike Young coached circles around Roy Williams last night. At halftime... Uh, there were changes that needed to be made. The Hokies were losing at half. They made the changes. They got it to overtime. They won into overtime. I'm going to say, like, the football team went against UNC and went into, like, six, six overtime. overtime. So what is up with UNC and overtimes lately? I know they're two different teams, but still. Maybe a rivalry developing or, or just extremely equal teams on both sides of, of, of the coin there. They just know how to put you on the edge of the seat. 
Here's why I love that game last night as much as I did. It looked like they literally used the Syracuse game as a lesson. It looked like they used the Syracuse game as, well, that didn't work. What should we have done? And then they came into this game and said, all right, let's do it. Right? It, it's, it's, it's almost like, um, uh, I, I don't even know the perfect example. You know, when you, when you perform an exercise and you fail, and you immediately get together and, and like debrief it. And you say, ah, oh, here's what we should have done. Ah, oh, here's what we should have done. And then your instructor says, all right, go try again and you pass. That's what just happened. Virginia Tech against Syracuse had the ball seven seconds left, needed to score to win, and they panicked. And they didn't get a good shot. And they had two freshmen panicking with the basketball in their hands. This time, although it was tied, which is a little bit different, right? Even if you miss, you're going to overtime. But, but, needed to score the win, or going to a third overtime, needed to score to win at the end of the second overtime, had the ball, again, two freshmen. Uh, this time, Nolly does not panic, does not jack a three and, and pound it against the backboard. Instead, runs a play, hands it off to Tyrese Radford, who is able to rub shoulders with the screener and Nolly, get going downhill, get to the bucket, make a game-winning floater. It's as if they watched the Syracuse game and said, I would have loved to have seen a two-man game here and someone attack the basket to force the issue. And they said, okay, cool. Next time we'll do that. And next time came the very next game. And they did exactly that. Learn from your mistakes. Freshmen are going to make mistakes. Freshmen are going to make plenty of mistakes. Freshmen are going to make uncountable mistakes. But what you want from them is that they don't make the same mistake twice. Make them find a new way to screw it up. And, and I'm not saying last night was perfect, right? Two overtimes against a team that's lost five straight. You, you probably shouldn't be there. They're going to find new ways to mess up, but they didn't mess up the same way twice at the end of the game. And that is something to be commended. Both players and coaching staff and fans. Right when, when I'm getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, I don't stay up for two overtime games. But from what I did see, Castle was rocking. Exactly what you want. And from the replay I watched this morning, it came across even on film that Castle was rocking. Two overtimes. Tyrese Radford has two points on the game, and they happen to be the difference with .4 seconds on the clock. You know, I was on, on the way home last night, and I caught a little bit of the game before, like, regular time ended. I had, I honestly, this before this morning, I had no idea that it went into overtime. Like, that's pretty amazing. When two overtime. Yeah, two overtimes. It, it is a tremendous accomplishment for that Virginia Tech team. Um, and, and we're not done talking about it. We'll come back and talk about it at the top of the next hour as well. But it is a tremendous accomplishment that they were able to digest the what happened at the end of the Syracuse game so quickly. Not pout, not sulk. Not, not go into their room and cry for three days and then wake up and have to play North Carolina. They learned, they addressed, they fixed, and then they had an opportunity to execute against North Carolina, and they did so in a way that got them the victory and it has them once again two games over 500 in the Atlantic Coast Conference, which is unheard of for where they were a few months ago. Mike Young and the squad. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more conversation about that basketball game. Stick around. 